Guess what I want to talk about today in margin in our series, talking about today, scheduling. How many love schedules? How many always say this line? If I have more time, I will do. Or if I have more time, God, I would be with you. If I had more time, I would do, you need to write that down. I used to say this, we do say this all the time, I'm too busy to be sick. And God says, hey, watch this, bam. <laughs> but we're going to talk about because it's going back to school, we got students back, going to get their schedule going, going to have classes, and we're going to have A's and B's. Right? You spent the whole summer studying, getting ready for the fall. Yeah. Right? The parents are getting all ready to get rid of the kids. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I see. I'll tell you all the time. So we got a schedule because we got football. We got basketball. Guys, football starts in like four weeks. Sorry if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan. They always let you down. Anyway, I had to put that in there. But really, and we're going to talk about today margin schedules because scheduling is so important, especially as believers. We need to be the most efficient people on the planet. And last week when we opened up, when I gave you an overview on margin, what I said was a great quote by Andy Stanley, the amount, uh, that margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. And when I said, I reviewed it, I said, people with margin are healthy and fruitful. Those who have margin in their lives are healthy and fruitful. And that was part one. Today we're going to talk about scheduling margin, putting margin in your life. Because I mean, it's so busy. And you ask God, can you put 26 hours in a, in a day? Can you give me 26 hours? I'll get everything done. Here's the problem. It has nothing to do with time. When you don't have margin in your life, time is telling you what to do. You're not telling time what to do. Because it's amoral. It has no feelings to it. Except with how you schedule. If you're a teacher, how many have a great schedule until you meet your first kids? And then you change it a little bit. But at least you have a schedule. And what I want to talk about today is having margin. One thing I, I learned from, uh, I was reading this week from Rick Warren. He said this, your time is your life. Killing time is suicide. Your time is your life, and killing time is suicide. Now I'm going to go to a scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 when Paul was given a practical application about the people in, in the Ephesians church, Ephesus church, on how to walk wisely and redeem the time. And I want this message for today because everyone seems like you're so busy. And that number one word that I keep hearing from everybody, I am so stressed out. And when we, had when we didn't have technology, we weren't stressed out. But all of a sudden, we became stressed out. And God does not desire for any one of us to be stressed out. Bless you. No one should be stressed out. When you're walking with God, you should have a great life. You should have margin in your life. Life ought to be exciting again. So I want to restore some of that fun in your life. And the only way you're going to get fun back in your life is you put margin back in your life. Because if you have 2.3 kids, you're going to fall into this trap. Of, well, I want to spend more time with my children, so I'll sign them up for every sport there is. But you're not spending any time with them, except the coaches are. And all they want you to do is sit down and watch, and I'll give you a hint. 
some wrestling on Monday night. It's real. You can watch it. Some WWE. You know what my son remembered me the most doing? He said, Dad, you spending time with me. You know what I remember the most? He said, Dad. I said, what's the big thing you remember? He says, I remember when we used to drive used to school to Abilene High, and we would take North 6, and we would count how many lights we get stuck at. And we always got stuck on, North, on, on Grape Street, and we always bet each other a soda. Are we going to get that light or not? And we always get stuck. He remembers those times. He remembers always beating me in PlayStation. Couldn't play that thing. Your kids' hands are too quick. I can't do that. My eyes don't go that fast. But he remembers those little things. And then he did Taekwondo. And I remember when I was doing my, I was in school, and I would go sit with him for a couple hours while he did his thing, and I did my homework then. Then we go hang out and eat some bad food and just, just do nothing. But that was really quality time. And it was the most effective time versus farming him out everywhere. Now, it's not a bad thing, but when a bad thing becomes a God thing, I mean, a good thing comes of a God thing, it comes a bad thing. It's not bad to do that. But if you want to spend more time with your children, be creative. Really. Don't fall into this, the rat race. Where are you going on Saturday? From 10 o'clock, I go to go baseball. 1 o'clock, I go to soccer. 5 o'clock, I go take them to a dinner or something. And then you tell me at the end of the season, I hate sports. And your kids are saying, I can't stand it either. So let's talk about margin. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Paul thought this was very important. And this is going to be a very practical message. It says this, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Now, the word foolish in the Greek means form your own opinion. Our own opinion can be foolish except what God has to say about finding out his will for our lives. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Not just know, understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, the word wisdom in there, and I gave you a definition of wisdom. Wisdom means the ability to discern the true and right and make sound judgments and decisions based upon this insight, which I learned from a young age being discipled by a guy named Paul Farrell, which means this, basically, that every decision you make, Rich, he used to tell me, Richie, he called me Richie, every decision you make, Richie, is a spiritual decision because it's going to have a manifestation of that decision you make. If you make it outside of God, you're going to get the results of that. If you make it what God says, get the results of that. Brother Paul was my first discipler, and Brother Paul frustrated me because I wanted to learn about God, and I wanted to grow up in God and, and know all the, what God is thinking. And this was 1993, and every time I called him with a question, he said, Rich, you got to get wisdom, and you got to get understanding. I said, I know. That's why I'm calling you. And he said, Rich, you got to get wisdom and you got to get understanding. I said, Paul, what do I do? He says, the very word that you're thinking about, go to the back of that Bible that you got. 
Look up that word. See what it means. And then we'll discuss it. Only through the Bible. What was he teaching me? To go to the right source to receive the right information and the right insight. He wasn't counseling me. He was discipling me. In each and every one of our lives, anything, think about a word, finances. Think about a word, raising your children. You need to go to the back of the, if you don't know the Bible that well, go to the glossary, look it up. What does it say? And look it all up and get the wisdom of God for your life, for your finances, the wisdom of God for your children, the wisdom of God for your workplace. That's the only way you're going to get proper insight. And then you'll get understanding on what the will of the, God, of the Lord is. Versus nothing worse than trying to guess that thing. Now the word in there, there's a word, making the best. Some of y'all have circumspectly. But the definition means to redeem, to buy up, to make wise and sacred use of every opportunity. Now the word opportunity is kind of unique in the Greek. It means to apport. Apport. Means you're heading somewhere. Opportunity always leads you somewhere. That means you have a direction of where you're going. Make the great, sacred use of every opportunity. Make use of your time. Buy it up. Redeem your time. Don't let time tell you what to do. Redeem it. Think about it. Redeeming it. Less stress if you know what you're going to do next. My wife is a scheduler. Miss Donna is a scheduler. She's a loggy. She schedules everything. We have lists on what to do at the house. And we have Appointment dates, start dates, and we have finish dates, which is good because I have ideas. She has the list with completion. It's better than have an idea versus something driven home when she has a list of driving home. And there's no such thing as running out of materials because when we're doing things, if you're a guy, how many guys in here love working in the yard? How many of y'all got a yard? Okay, I'm going to make sure, man. Y'all got people cutting your grass? Hope y'all don't think we do that. I'd like to cut my own grass. So when I cut, we're doing a project, and you're like a guy who said, man, it's 4 o'clock. I think we're going to run out of stuff. That's cool. And now Lowe's is in on the deal because they close at 9. So Ms. Donna looks at the supply. Oh, we're getting short. And I'm like, yeah, we're getting short. That means it's over. Next week, I'll get back to it. Hold that thought. I'm going to go get the rest of the supplies. What we start, we finish. We worked on a, a tile floor one night from, what, 8 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the morning until it was done. Then I showed up here at 7.30 in the morning and welcomed every one of y'all in the church because we had to get it off the list. And every when you got tired, we just sang spiritual songs. <laughs> right? It's done. I, we need that. You don't want to live a life of regret. What you didn't do. You get my age, you look back 50 years. You don't want to have disappointment or thinking about it. The things that God called you to do, you want to go ahead and do it. That's why he gives us his word. He wants us to walk with him to get it done. You don't want to sit back, hey, I missed it. After I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. Because you don't have a plan for your life. You have a plan for your life. You have a plan for your children's life. So you want to make use, 
sacred use of every, every, every opportunity. Every opportunity. Because you want to maximize this life. You don't want to be under this life. You don't want to be stressed out. You don't want to be um, feeling that you're broken. You just, I can't take another minute. Too many people I've been reading, you've been noticing, I guess the guy who did uh, Herbalife took his life. Millionaire. Killed himself. It's a few suicides that's happened with successful people. You know what happened? They got there. They were running after something. I got to have it. I got to have it. They got it. And it didn't fulfill what was really missing. God Almighty in their heart. They were going after it. You could see his resume. And then all of a sudden it ends. He was chasing something. He thought he had it. He didn't have it. So when you're talking about making the use of every opportunity, here's something about time. I looked it up. I researched it. It says, according, it's something, according to the e-marketer, a new survey revealed that Americans, listen to this, spend an average of 23 hours a week tapped into social media, email, and text messaging. 23 hours a week. Now, how long is a work week? 40 hours? 23 hours a week on a computer. And I can, you can say, oh, are you perfect? No, I, that convicted me. 23 hours a week. As does 23 hours on social networks, Experian Marketing Services says this. We spend about 16 minutes every hour on Facebook. 16 minutes, 23 hours. Now, when you come to a church and they say, hey, come to Life Group. I'm too busy to come to Life Group. What are you going to do with those 23 hours if I see you on Facebook posting everything? To friends who really don't care. They ain't going to stop and help you. Now, I'll stop and help you. But really, we got on the machine for 23 hours. I have friends. I have 400 friends. I have 600 friends. I have 1,000 friends. You know when you die? Think about it. Who's going to be there? The 1,000 won't fit in here. They're going to also, oh, we got another account come up. You know who will be there? My best friend. And the friends that you made in this life, because you had margin in your life. 23 hours. We forgot how to talk to one another. And God doesn't simply want us to know his will. He wants us to understand his will. Let me give you something here. This is the bullet I had. It hit me like a ton of bricks. What we have to understand is that busyness does not equal productivity or importance. A lot of people, and I've been, I've been guilty of that, find my importance in my busyness. I was, when we went to the World Conference, I had a moment, and just, we saw all the nations. And as a minister, it's easy to get caught up in this because you want to be the title and you want people to affirm you and all those things. And God just spoke to me in the midst of that conference because I saw my son running around doing his thing. Loves God. It's not perfect. Um, involved in every nation. About to do some music. And I told Donna, you know, I said, you know, if I don't do another thing, if we don't do another thing, we're successful. 
thing. It don't matter how many people we're going to reach. We're going to reach a lot of people now sitting on there. It doesn't matter how well, the main thing God told me to do first is to raise our family. And John Maxwell says this, success, and you want to write this down, because if you're chasing the wrong thing, killing yourself, success is this. At the end of the day, and I'm adding something into it, your children and your family, your wife, your spouse love God and love you and respect you. At the end of your day, then you're a successful person. Not how much money you make, how much you impact out here the nation, doesn't matter what I do. Those are the most successful things of a person. Because when you get on my tombstone, it's not going to say anything about he was a great pastor. It's going to say, oh, he was a great father. And I hope he says one word, he was faithful. And he left a legacy. I want to help you because we got so caught up on trying to be this and this, this, this performance thing. And I know we're in a great ministry that we want to win the world and go, go, go. And we're going to go. But it's about being as you're going. And you know what's attractive? When you run up into a person whose family is falling apart and your family loves God, they're going to say, that's attractive. Now I want to hear what you got to say. You earn my respect. That's what it's about. I'm a dad first before I'm a pastor. I'm a disciple first before I'm a pastor. That's my office. But I make disciples because I'm a disciple. But I tell you what, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. When you look up the man word, the word man in the Bible is ish. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm successful. That's what God says I am before I have a title. And that relieved all. I said, boy, I tell you what, that makes it easy now. Because I look at our kids here and I look at Hannah and Kristen and all of them at the World Conference. I said, man, parents, you ought to be, I mean, don't say I didn't achieve nothing. Come on. Look at that. They're gonna, I mean, if I can put people on our back and and springboard them forward, that's great. Am I going to be good at it? I'll be perfect when I get to heaven. But that's success. Am I going to retire now? No. But I want you to have key in on what is successful because here's the two things. Either you're scheduling your life because you love or you're scheduling your life because you have ambition. And ambition, at the end of the day, you commit suicide because there's nothing to mess with. Nothing to trace back. We do everything because of love. My schedule is built because I love doing what I'm doing. Even when I didn't have the job, I thought I should have. I loved it because God gave me a job. And busyness does not equal anything except make you tired and ineffective. One guy said this, I don't want to be famous. I want to be effective. And for the kingdom of God, when people look at Jesus, the only Jesus they see is us. They say that is effective. But if it's a broken down church with no money and no vision, they're going to say that Jesus they serve ain't no good. I can do better on the marketplace. Come on now. It's about being effective. And where does it start? With me. I can't change you. I have to change myself. You think this message didn't mess with me? That computer's going, I'm like, ooh, man. Donna says, da, 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 da. I, I heard you. She said, what did you say? What did I say? I hate when she says that. <laughs> so I'm asking God, prophetically, God, what did she say? What did she say? <laughs> because she knows I'm being sucked up into it. She knows it. She knows it. It's not, it's not a bad thing. 
It's a good thing to make the world smaller, but if it becomes a God thing, it's a bad thing. Now, culturally, see, there's so many people being robbed from a life of meaning, not because they're committed. It's because you're overcommitted. A life of meaning. It's not because you're not committed, but you're overcommitted in too many things that you have no meaning. Why is everyone saying, what is my life about? And that's one of the biggest things we want to know. What am I good at? What am I here on this earth to do? And God is the one who shows you when you slow down enough and just do the things he wants you to do. So look like a football team. You have a specialist in each position. You do that one thing that God called you to do. That one thing. Here at Grace Point is one thing. And everything else is built around it. But the one thing is to make disciples. Nothing else. The other churches, that's great. That church is doing that one thing. Fantastic. Love them. But God called us to do this one thing. There's a lot of activity in that one thing. But the whole thing is for us guys, for you, our whole life, our whole goal is connect you with God and connect you with one another. So that's why we say, reaching people and let's build community together. That's one thing, which is a fancy word, a fancy saying for discipleship. And everyone's being discipled every day by somebody. Now, we can't understand the will of God until, as he, tr- until he transforms our mind. It's hard to understand God's will unless we're transformed. Because we go by culture. Remember I said last week, working in the kingdom of God is countercultural. It's not cultural. Cultural said, go, 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 be busy, be busy, and you're important. God says, wait, then go and be purposeful. Romans 12, too. I love this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That word transformed means transfiguration. Like Jesus, when he went up on the mountain, to be transfigured. That uh, <clears throat> by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, comma, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We have to be transformed. By the will of God. I love what Albert Einstein said. He says, I want to think the thoughts of God and everything else is details. I'll say it again. I want to think the thoughts of God and everything else is details. And he's talking about because God's way in Isaiah 55, God's word, um, thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His way is higher than our way. He sees the end from the beginning. So I want to think his thoughts. Not my thoughts. I'm, too down, I'm down too low. But when I go to him, he gives me a better perspective on what to do and how to walk. Not what to do. What's next, God? And when he doesn't say anything, I don't do anything. I just keep doing what he told me to do. I was telling Alan just a couple of weeks ago, well, just Thursday or Friday, that uh, Pastor... I mean, Bishop James Whitaker. I preached my first sermon in uh, August of 1994 to the men. I thought I was horrible. He told me, young man, you're going to be a preacher. I put it here. I didn't go chase it. I just kept doing what I was doing, serving God and loving people. And then you look up 20-something years later, God had a plan. But I didn't stop to find the plan. The plan was revealed 
It was confirmed, and I let confirmation take its course. I didn't try to rush it, and I didn't try to play. Hey, what they just said, because they want to make you feel important. I'm affirmed. I'm good. I'm going to be an apostle. So I start rushing after that. No, I continue doing what I do. Even when he said, go to that church, that makes no sense. Okay, we're going. Now, how do we schedule wisely? I'm glad you asked that question. First one is intimate time with God. Intimate time with God. Matthew 6, 33. We know this very well. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things will be added to you. Seek first the king. When you still words a fancy word, kingdom of God, it means a, a king's domain. But really, if you want to just make it, let's make it plain. Seek the God way of doing things. God's kingdom. We always pray it, don't we? Matthew 6. Thy kingdom come, thy what? On earth as it is what? We pray it. His way of doing things here on earth. So I seek his way of doing things. Not my, remember I said foolishness is when I try to seek my own way of doing things. But I seek his way of doing things. I love another one, Psalms 145, 143.10. This is what I love. When you spend intimate time with God, he's teaching you to do his will. He teach me to do your will. You are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Teach me. How do you learn? By sitting intimate time with God. You say, I don't have time. You have to make time. In the military, there was one appointment I had to make every single day. They didn't, it didn't matter. If you didn't get that time, you'll mess something up on an airplane. It was called roll call. You miss roll call, you miss a whole lot. And we had went over affairs of the day, what to expect for today. If you miss roll call, you're going to be behind. You won't know what's going on. You'll just go through the motions. We went, had an accident in Okinawa from a guy who missed a briefing, and he was behind on the briefing. And they took off, and he was a few seconds late on what he was supposed to do. He thought he would catch up on the way. He turned in and killed a guy in the F-15, sliced him right in half. That appointment with us, whenever it's your, and you got to know yourself. If it's morning or it's evening, the night before, you got to have that time with God. And I know you have time because we all do. I'm convicted too. We spend 23 hours, 16 minutes. Hey, 16 minutes on Facebook can turn into 16 minutes with God. And it doesn't take long for him to boot up. Come on now. When you do God, it's, hey, oh, yeah, I'm here. Nothing like I have to wake up or something. I love Donna, right? Right, honey? Miss Don, Donna, is, she's a morning person. She's a Mac. I'm a PC. She gets up. I mean, she works a full-time job. She gets up at 5 in the morning, right? And she, the, the, the machine goes, and then she gives me the briefing of the day. Now, I'm a PC, so I'm still booting. <laughs> so she has to call me or remind me on a text. Remember what I just said? 
And that don't guarantee I'm still a PC, I'm going to come home with it. She spins up quick. And I'm like, where's the coffee? I'm a PC. The Mac is going. Right? And you shut down quick. And I'm the guy at night. I can't go to sleep. I can't go to sleep. Because I can't, I can't go out. You can't put me to sleep. I'm a, I'm a PC. I bet, I'm sorry. Hope there's no people from a PC company here. Okay. Well, God is like a Mac. He's already running. 16 minutes, it's forever with him. It's great. But you got to know this. Here's why I want to help you. Intimacy with God. A lot of times we think if we mess up during the day that I'll recover by loving God more. And our mind's not really transformed. The reality is a transformed mind and a transformed person realizes this, that I don't love God anymore, that how much he loves me, period. Because he said he, he loved us even when we were sinners, he died on the cross for us. So I'm, I have to have a revelation of his love that he's always available to want to speak to me. That I'm not going to screw up. No, that screwed up took off on the cross. It was nailed to the cross. That screw up was already factored in when he went to the cross. So you didn't do anything wrong that you can't say, God, come right now. Now you have to repent. He'll lead you to repent. But you got to realize true uh, transformation in your heart and your mind, know how much God truly loves you. So that means that relationship, you're talking to a father. You're not a slave. You're a son and a daughter. So he wants to teach you. I'm glad when he says, teach me, not live in perfection of this thing. Or when he gets with me, Rich, I told you, you got it all wrong. You didn't say it right. What's wrong with you, boy? You stupid or what? You know why? Because that's what our, some of our natural fathers say that. So we think we equate our natural father to our heavenly father. And our heavenly father took care of the love thing. You didn't do nothing wrong. You didn't blow it. That's how special you are. Someone tells you you're not special, give me a break. You are. You're valuable. He didn't die just a good thing. He died for what was precious to him, us. And you're precious to him. So when you take time and margin, you want to spend, spend, that's a whole idea. Not do it because I said do it. Do it because you want to spend time with your father. You want to be affirmed? Spend time with your father. You want to be encouraged? Spend time with your father. And then you spend time with other people who spend time with the father, and you have a complete deal. Number two, here's the thing. We've got to be intentional. We've got to stop. And we all got in prayer today and said, we're all right. we're bad at this. I, who's good at this? Intentional times of rest? You know when that happens? When I can't go anymore. <laughs> When I hit the wall, boom, or you get sick. Why am I sick? Because you haven't rested in about a year and a half. Intentional. I mean, being intentional, that's part of your scheduling. Connalisa Rice said this in her, um, when we went to a Chick-fil-A. She said, basically, she schedules this time. 
you got to schedule your time and make sure that doesn't get left out. In fact, it should be the first thing you do. Listen to the scripture here because we're all here. Come to me. Matthew 11, 28, 29. All who labor and heavy laden. I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find your rest for your souls. Now, in a Western context, this is what we look at. This is how we see it. He said, Jesus said, come to my teaching, or come to my miracles, or come to my service. No, Jesus said, come to me. And in that word, rest means to be refreshed. That's why he started the day off. The first day of the week is Sunday. So we're going to be refreshed before we go to work. He didn't say at the end of the day. This was the beginning of the week. How many times have you missed church and you're not refreshed? And you try to come in and you try to catch up off a month of being refreshed. He's not. Because he's talking about those who are heavy laden. And back in those days, he was talking about the Jews were putting so much burden on the people. Do, 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 do. And Jesus says, just come, 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 come. That performance thing. They want to do to be important. He says, come and rest. And he says, that yoke, when you had an animal in those days, when you had two oxen pulling, it didn't say stop working. It says you pull together. That means I'm yoked with Christ who's pulling with me. So everything I have, he's taking most of the load. And he's not also just pulling with me, he's directing me. So I'm going to be resting because he's got, he's in control of it. But it's about who you are, not what you do. He said, come. Those mentally, emotionally spent from running around and doing great things, but not the important things. When I read this message, it got to me like, I'm like, because I know there's a few things I have to do. Like, here's a question for you. What projects and meetings or relationships in your life or, or your business need to end right now? What projects need to end right now? What meetings that you can't stand, that doesn't do anything, need to end? What, those rela- what about those toxic relationships, those toxic ones, that are not doing anything for you? Why you spend time on that? Come on, somebody. You have to take inventory. And when you take inventory, it starts, yeah, psh, takes time. I need to take that. That's taking a lot of my time. That's not, it's not even being fruitful. It's killing me. Y'all got some of them projects that are killing you that's not going to amount to anything? One of the stories, Josh, come on up. One of the things that uh, as a youth pastor in this city, I was doing a lot of work. You want to bring teenagers to Jesus and do all this work and Still in the military. Me and Ms. Donna still in the military. And she had found out she was about to deploy for about four to six months. And she asked me this question because I didn't see it. She said this. 
Rich, the things that you're doing, are you doing it because man said do it? Or are you doing it because God said do it? So when you build margin in your life, there's two questions you have to ask. What am I doing now? And who told me to, why am I doing it now? And who told me to do it? And I discovered all the things that she was talking about, I was doing, I, the things she talked about, 80% of that, I was doing it because someone told me to do it, not because God confirmed it. And I was a jack of all trades and master of nothing. And she said, because I'm about to go and you got to take care of Sterling. You got to have time for that. And I remember going, taking inventory and cutting those things. Do you know what the response was when I cut those things from the people who said, hey, I thought really enjoyed me? They said, why are you cutting that out? What's wrong with you? I said, well, my wife's not going to be. I need to take care of my son. So you're not going to do this anymore? I can't. Now, when I took inventory, those things I never enjoyed. I didn't enjoy any of those things. I enjoy hanging with the kids, but I enjoy help. I was a sound man. I was an usher. I was a men's minister and a youth pastor and everything else. And she said, uh, who told you to do that? Here's my question for you. If you're jammed, feel like you're overloaded, why? And then we always ask this question during our counseling sessions. Did God tell you to do that? Did God direct you to do that? And I had to answer and say, you know, and just some recently some things. Did God tell me to do this and that? You know the most powerful word in the English vocabulary is the word no. Because if you want to be a, a people player, you want to please everybody, you'll kill yourself. And you'll be burnt out on something that's supposed to be enjoyable. Or your workplace should be enjoyable, but you hate it. Why? God gave you a job. It seemed like life is meaningless. Why? God set you on the earth to do something great, but you might have so many things that makes you want to hate stuff. Oh, I hate this. I can't stand that. I can't stand this. I can't stand. Why? The God of the universe give you air to breathe and make a difference. We're God's vessels here on earth. That that means life starts becoming fun. It just becomes a grind. And we go into this, uh, young people, I can't wait till I get older until I get this. I can't wait till I get older. When you get older, you need to say, I can't wait till I get younger because I tell you what, this body's killing me. (laughs) Right? Couldn't wait to drive. Then you had insurance bills. (laughs) I'd rather ride a bike. Why? It's supposed to be the most enjoyable time here on earth. Heaven is here on earth. God's presence is in us all the time. But when we're so busy, we don't even recognize it or realize it. I knew I was so stressed and crazy. God blessed us in some things this last couple of weeks. I was too upset to even like it. <laughs> like, 
Good, they showed up. Man, and I should have been enjoying it. You know, because you always, let me tell you about scheduling. You always are renewing it to make sure you're lining up on what God says. No mar- no, remember I said, no time with God, no margin. Jesus Christ is our margin. Give you one last bullet. Ask yourself this. Thank you, sir. Right now, just ask yourself this. What is good but not best in my life right now? Am I spending all my energy on what's good? Because the, it's not about good and evil. It's about good and God. The best come from God. We spend all our wheels on good or we spend all our wheels on the best. So I cut out what was good. It was really, some of it was good for my ego. <laughs> had nothing to do with what God was going to do. And I got to learn how not to be on the computer so much. I got to learn how not to watch so much TV. Hello. I didn't get into the television part. That was too convicting. Why don't we all stand?